happening, Bitcoin Accumulation Country. I'm your host, Coin Icarus. This is the Fun with Bitcoin podcast, sponsored by Crypto Cloaks 3D Printing. We're in season three. This is episode 46. Thank you very much for joining me once again. I've got a really cool conversation, sat down with Denver Bitcoin to talk about the oil and gas industry and essentially how they are converting some of that stranded energy into sweet, sweet hash for Bitcoin. Before we get into that, let's talk about dollar cost averaging and Swan Bitcoin. For anybody who is interested in dollar cost averaging and who wants to be purchasing Bitcoin but doesn't want to be spending their time constantly watching the charts and listening to traders that they really have no idea whether these people are credible or not, and you kind of just want to put this in kind of in a passive sleep mode where you're simply just accumulating and hodling, being able to transfer that Bitcoin out to your own private address. So if you're interested in doing that and that falls in, in your wheelhouse, then you are looking for Swan Bitcoin. With Swan Bitcoin, the three main takeaways are we've, we can do automatic withdrawal from a bank account, automatic purchases of BTC. You can time them based on your uh, when you receive your check. You know, you can do it, uh, you know, let's say once um, you can do it once a month um, or you can do it per pay period as well. Um, there's lots of options for you to be able to customize how you purchase and you could automatically withdraw to your uh, your chosen address so if you're interested in a bitcoin only platform um, that is doing the uh, the great work of helping onboard people then you definitely want to check out swan bitcoin i'm gonna have the uh, the link to their website in the show notes all right everybody thank you very much for joining me on the fun with bitcoin podcast i have fellow toxic bitcoin plebe denver bitcoin joining me today Denver Bitcoin, man. Super cool that you're joining me on my podcast. I really appreciate it. Hey, man. Super excited to be here. I, I always love talking Bitcoin, talking these topics and and meeting another cool, uh, you know, member of the of the sovereign money revolution. That's right, man. It, it's awesome. It's awesome to have you on. And I, I love, you know, of course, I love having fellow Bitcoin plebes on because, uh, you know, we're all uh, I, I feel like we're all kind of. Um, we're all coming from the same place, but uh, as is customary with the uh, the fun with Bitcoin podcast, I want to jump right into your uh, your rabbit hole story. Like, where were you? Uh, I guess like we'll we'll start if you if you want or can. Uh, where were you before Bitcoin? Um, well, I mean, before Bitcoin, I I was in a lot of places because I only really dove into the rabbit hole around early 2018. Um, yeah, so. <laughs> You know, I, I had heard about it in 2014, 2015 from a good buddy. Uh, I was driving him from from Tallyride to Denver for a plane flight, and uh, he couldn't explain to me how Bitcoin was produced, right? What mining was, and that was kind of my main concern, I guess, at the time, mm-hmm. um, right? Because that's I, I just thought, you know, that, that's how th- this would be a scam. Is there's you know some kind of person controlling it, right? Um, but it was, it was, you know, a few, few years later that, uh, I was, I had gotten a job in oil and gas. So, um, a guy that had owned an upstream, uh, software company for the oil and gas industry, he approached me to be like the director of sales and marketing for his company. And, um, it was a small company, but he needed somebody to, you know, he didn't, he didn't mind if I didn't have an oil and gas experience, like a background. He just wanted somebody that was able to to learn the software, understand oil and gas in a relatively short amount of time, and then travel around the country to different oil and gas uh, conventions and shows to, you know, sell this software, try to 
try to really push um, this upstream. It was a, it was a volumetric uh, production reporting software. So um, I happened to be just starting that job. I had spent about two and a half months before starting that job, you know, kind of introducing myself to the oil and gas industry and getting intimately involved with the upstream side of it, talking to a lot of pumpers and, and guys that actually work on site um, in oil and gas. And um, I'd say it was about end of January 2018 when I was seeing the headlines about how Bitcoin was failing, how the, the, the Ponzi or the, the scam had erupted. And, you know, price had just passed. I want to say it was on its way down past $10,000. And that's where like the headlines were like, you know, the, the mining death spiral was a, was a headline that was, if you can remember, that was pretty common. And so to be honest with you, you know, I went to investigate it just like, you know, I was on my computer every day working with the software product, having, you know, four screens up and one of them was MSNBC and these headlines were there. And so I actually just kind of got this itch to figure out how the scam worked, right? I mean, because it was a scam as far as I was concerned, you know, per, per headlines and uh, per everyone's opinion. And um, so I went to like kind of, you know, investigate, you know, on my own, do my own research about Bitcoin. And again, I found myself trying to figure out what mining was. Um, so as I began to learn about mining, I started to... <laughs> I started to understand that this wasn't a scam, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, ha- I had to go learn about, uh, you know, essentially what as much computer science as I, as I could, you know, learn on my own, um, you know, discovering things about how, you know, what a hash is, right? What a mm-hmm. computational hash is and how a computational hash cannot be executed without at least some uh, amount of energy. Right? I mean, there's, there's thermodynamic law involved that computational work can't be executed without some kind of energy, right? Even if it's a calculator, just, you know, again, a hash, this, yeah, you you need some kind of amount of energy. Yeah. Now you can, you can, you know, marginally approach zero energy with, with a really efficient, you know, kind of a supercomputer based upon the amount of hashes it's hashing and the amount of energy it's using. The energy per hash is pretty low, but it still can't get to zero. It's just outside of the laws of physics. So, you know, once I started to understand that, understand, uh, you know, decentralized proof of work consensus, and um, it started to make a lot of sense. And at the same time, I was working in the oil and gas industry, dealing with all of these upstream operators. Um, I was helping them report their, their volumes to the state and to the feds and to their partners using our software. And, you know, the, one of the biggest problems in the oil and gas industry that I was that I was seeing was flared gas, right? Was this wasted gas that, that operators are getting fined by the regulators. They can't open their wells because they're flaring too much, um, you know, methane volume. So they have to stop producing crude, which is costing them money. It's, it's a big problem. Right. And I, I was, you know, diving down that oil and gas rabbit hole, starting to learn about Bitcoin and diving down that rabbit hole. And I, began learning about kind of the same thing, right? One thing, one thing that was so solidified in the oil and gas industry or became so solidified in my mind was that the only currency in the universe is energy, right? That's it, right? Everything else represents energy. Gold takes a lot of energy and time to find because of its scarcity, pretty good representation of, of 
um, energy. Therefore, I, you know, it has value. And these kinds of concepts just be, you know, slowly became solidified. And I got to this point where I thought, oh my gosh, I think, I think Bitcoin might be a solution to this, this problem of stranded and wasted gas where it's possible that, I mean, what, what I realized was Bitcoin mining is this energy consumption market, right? It's an emerging energy demand market. And if you can convert energy into computational work, you can sell that energy to the Bitcoin network and you don't have to ask anybody's permission to do so. So that's when I, you know, started getting a little excited, like, whoa. And I, you know, I even, I tweeted something, I tweeted something out the other day. Um, you know, I, I can still remember when I, I thought I, that this might actually work, right? I had had a lot of phone conversations with um, random, random guys that I had emailed who um, were salesmen for, for generator companies, like power generation companies, right? They sold big gen sets that would go on oil and gas sites and things. And I was trying to ask them like, hey, so how much, how much natural gas, how many, you know, thousands of cubic feet would, would a, gen, a gen set of this size consume? Where I was trying to calculate whether or not it would be economic to mine Bitcoin using this gas and what kind of an initial um, capital investment would be required to, to build and, and um, get the infrastructure to do so. And, you know, after a lot of conversations, I, I thought this is economic, right? This is the, the ROI on this is 20 times better than a pipeline mm -hmm. and it serves the same purpose. It brings natural gas to market. And so, um, you know, I, I, I had kind of a, uh, an exciting uh, compulsion to, to try to maybe go, go do this. And I remember bringing it up to my bosses and they laughed in my face, right? <laughs> like course. open mouth. La well, yeah. And I, I mean, I was like brand new. I was brand new to the oil and gas industry. I was this, you know, snot nosed kid uh, coming in that I was in the middle of learning about oil and gas. And all of a sudden I was going to solve this, this trillion problem? plus dollar a year global problem. Yeah. Right. I mean, what the hell am I with, with this magic Internet money? Right. Um, they laughed at me. I mean, like, I don't blame them for laughing at me, but you know, the laughter was still like, Oh, like it just was a reality check. Like, am I, am I completely off base here? <laughs> right? Like maybe I'm, I mean, these guys, I mean, my bosses are oil and gas industry, like legends, if you will. I mean, like mm -hmm. 30, 35 plus years, they built this software from like a garage and they have, a, you know, 50 something, 60 clients that, that use their software and, you know, very serious oil and gas companies. And, um, you know, it certainly was a hit, but I, I just, I couldn't get it out of my head. So that's when I started to try to look for somebody else that had this idea to try to see if somebody would tell me, I try to find somebody that wouldn't laugh. Right. <laughs> um, and I searched, I remember searching for a few days and I couldn't, I couldn't find anybody. Right. Um, so I put up some Google alerts and I got some Google alert about uh, like some search queries that were trending and somewhere along those in, in, on the same page, I saw the word uh, upstream data, right? And that's, I, I queued on that and I found Steve Barber up in Canada. Oh, yeah. uh, I don't know if you know. Yeah, of course. So Absolutely. Um, yeah, so I sent him a cold email in 2018 about like, I think it was like July, maybe June. And, uh, you know, it was like to his sales email or something. I was just like, hey, I think what you're doing is the future. Any chance you could hop on a call with me? And he was like, of course. So, you know, we ended up talking for a couple hours and 
you know, it was, it was like this massive weight had been lifted when I talked to Steve, because for once I was talking to somebody that not only thought that this was a, a economic solution, he has, he had been building for it for about a year or something at that point. Right. He had, he had just started his, his company, I think officially a few months before that. Um, and you know, it was such a relief at the same time, you know, this, this weight was lifted, another weight landed on me, this responsibility to act now, right? Because mm -hmm. I knew something that not many people knew. Um, I felt like I was ahead of something and I needed to get involved. So, you know, from there, I just, I just stood on the gas pedal to, to get myself involved in this specific part of, of Bitcoin, which was mining uh, by powering those ASICs using wasted gas. That's amazing. So, um, I mean, not to divulge. So, you, I'm, I'm guessing. So, like, do you have your own operations, or do you uh, lease it out, or how does, if you don't mind me asking, like, how does that work? Yeah, that's all right. I can. I mean, I can kind of explain it just based upon how the kind of the structure of mm -hmm. of this would work. So, I mean, you have to think about the parties involved. So, you have first you have the oil and gas operator, right? So, they're they're oil and gas operators aren't at least at this point, the last thing they wanted to hear was anything about Bitcoin, really, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah, just as anybody. Just, yeah, no, of course. They, they, like, whatever. Yeah, yeah they laughed just, just as hard as my, as my bosses did, right? Um, but I'll say this, right? So at the end of the day, they still have a problem, right? They have this problem of, of gas, right? Waste gas. Waste. And they're getting, you know, regulatory, yeah, regulatory scrutiny only moves one way right it's not like next year they're going to be nicer about it oh, no, no, they of only not. become yeah they only get worse in terms of how they treat operators and they only raise fines because it's a method of, of bringing in more tax dollars from the industry um so you know at the end of the day they still have this problem so i know that i knew that there was guys that had a problem and i knew that there was this guy now that could build me the infrastructure for the solution now you know at the same time, I didn't have a gas well, right? And and I wasn't building the infrastructure. So like, what value can I bring to the table? So I thought, well, I can bring capital, right? So I can come to the operator and say, hey, how about I solve or at least help you, you know, conserve and reduce your, your flared or vented volumes for free, right? You won't have to spend a dollar. All you need to do is allow me to take up a small footprint on your oil and gas site and from there, like what I'm doing to conserve your gas, it's almost irrelevant to them because they don't have to buy the engine. They don't have to buy all the computers, the infrastructure. They don't have to part with the, you know, whatever, you know, 50 to 500,000, $5 million, uh, $5 million of infrastructure that, you know, it would take to consume their gas. So, but all they need to do is allow me to, to have that. So, mm -hmm. um, it's not like, it's not like the engines that, um, you know, I'm using are, are foreign to the oil and gas industry. They're very common. So a lot of the pumpers and engineers on site are familiar with these things. So it's not, there was no risk of like some, you know, catastrophic explosion to their right oil and gas site. Um, and so I, I went, okay, let me, I, I can, I can provide value in that way. Let me go raise some capital. So that, that was my next step is, okay, I need to get some money and uh, bring that value to the table. I'll be the one to take the risk and then I'll be the one that gets the Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. So, yep. That is yeah. Man, that that is an awesome story. I like that. That's really, really cool that you came to it um, from that angle. So, okay, I want to go back to something though. Um, do you have any background in tech? In terms, of, well, I mean, I'll say that recently I uh, just did like a four month boot camp 
to at Denver University to learn how to code. Okay. So I just learned a whole bunch of coding languages, JavaScript, Node.js, all that stuff. So, uh, but at this point, but, I didn't have any technical knowledge, I guess. That, but, that, that's um, what I mean. Like that, that kind of stuff, yeah, like any I, coding knowledge or like knowledge of networks or, you know, graphic design or some kind of, you know, something that essentially acts as, as a bridge to understanding Bitcoin as a tech. You know, I mean, I'll, I'll say I have a really strong, um, you know, statistical and mathematical background. I'm no PhD. I don't, I, I don't think I could, you know, compete mathematically with somebody like uh, Plan B or even Corey, Corey Clifstein, right? Uh, those guys are on a different level, but I certainly have a, a really strong mathematical background. Um, and, you know, I, I pride myself on being um, a quick learner, right? I, I'm, I, I feel like I'm able to teach myself pretty well and pretty quickly. So, you know, it, it was it was just a matter of sitting down and reading books. I mean, I read books on you know the thermodynamic laws as they relate to computer science, and you know just learned about how encryption is secure, not just because of how how mathematically difficult it is to solve an, for an encrypted key, but because of the cost and energy that you would need in order to even try to solve for a key, right? Uh, you know the time it would take to to try to crack up a private Bitcoin key from a public key is, is an insane amount of time, but even more than the time is the amount of energy you would need to try to crack that key. Right. I mean, not only would it take you thousands of years, it would take you billions or trillions of dollars in energy. So, um, you know, that like who who has trillions of dollars of energy, not to mention who has thousands of years of time. So those kinds of things, you know, you can, you don't need to be super intelligent to to be able to fall back on and say yeah that's unlikely that somebody's going to be able to crack that if not impossible um so those kinds of things i was able to to understand um you know even though most of the the math would go over my head mm-hmm. when it when it comes to like the SHA 256 i mean that's that's certainly uh, oh. above my my intellectual ability but, but i could but the but the principles and the conclusions were not something that i you know was able to or wasn't able to to you know, absorb and and tr- not I didn't have to trust in what I was reading I could actually uh, you know mathematically go okay well if this is the amount of you know possibilities to this private key um, if you could guess this many per second how long would I mean I could run those kinds of numbers mm-hmm. without you know and then I could come to a conclusion of yeah that would be really really hard so um, no I didn't have a computer science background per se but. You know, I, I, I wasn't an idiot, I guess. Yeah. No, it's the reason why I ask is because, you know, a, a lot of times, uh, you know, we hear this kind of like false narrative, you know, that's like, uh, you know, Bitcoin is so difficult and whatnot. And absolutely, there is a lot of complex math behind it all. But the reality is, is that, you know, it, you you don't really have necessarily a technical background but you were still able to find Bitcoin and apply it to something that you did know about and are you know what i mean like using it to you know put together a really interesting business so yeah i mean it, <laughs> and it was you know i think if i had if i had learned about uh you know bitcoin mining six months earlier mm-hmm. i maybe wouldn't have connected these dots right but yeah. every day i was talking with oil and gas operators and pumpers and every day they were bitching about the the amount of gas that they were flaring and how they were getting fined and so that was just like the at the forefront of my mind you know i was also a salesman so i wanted to relate to these guys and so every conversation i would have i'd 
you know, I'd be looking at guys' numbers and I'd be like, wow, it looks like this, this well is flaring a lot of gas. You know, what are your permit volumes on that? Are you going to get hit? Those kinds of things. I just, I wanted to be able to relate to them, show them that I was credible and knowledgeable in the industry. And so because of that, as I learned about Bitcoin mining, I think it just came together um, really well. Right. And, and in my opinion, I mean, this is one of the most, you know, symbiotic relationships of any two industries that the harmony that exists between, you know, energy production and Bitcoin mining is at the end of the day, it's almost the exact same thing, right? Because Bitcoin mining is this, this energy demand market um, that it's an immutable market, right? You don't need to ask permission to sell energy to this market. And that's, that's a really, really powerful thing. Um, so actually, um, so let me ask you this, uh, has it, has it gotten, um, has it gotten any easier to approach uh, these oil and gas operators to be able to, you know, because like right now, obviously we're, we're sitting at some pretty nice numbers. Um, has it, I mean, is there any more attention or is it like, uh, would you say it's easier to approach these people or is it still just as difficult as when you first started in terms of them believing or them kind of like not thinking this is a scam? <laughs> I'll say this, right? <laughs> I knew, I knew from the, from the get-go, once I understood, once I talked to Steve, let me put it this way. Yeah. Once I talked to Steve, I knew that this, that my opportunity to get involved in this was not going to last long, right? I, my window was closing quickly because it was only a matter of time before these operators wake up and they realize that they want to take that capital investment. And they want to mm -hmm. purchase the infrastructure to bring their energy to market because it's in their best interest to do so. Um, it, it, they won't see it as so risky because they have to understand Bitcoin. They'll see it as, hey, this is what other oil and gas companies are doing that are successful. And that's something about the oil and gas industry that's, I don't know if it's unique to that industry, but it's certainly a characteristic of it, is a, most of the oil and gas companies, like the, the, the big players, if you will, they're very slow to move, right? They're very slow to make decisions and to switch systems. Um, one of the main reasons that they do it is because the, that other company is doing it, right? So they'll see yeah. that, that, you know, Anadarko just switched to a different software uh, platform. And then next thing you know, Anschutz and, you know, Ursa and all these other big oil and gas producers switch too. So like, you know, that was something I was using as a for our software that we were selling, mm -hmm. I wanted to go get one big client that we could hang our hat on. And that way, everyone else I went to, I said, hey, you know, these guys are using us. And they would go, hmm, well, those guys aren't stupid. Um, right. And that's just kind of how they move. So it I is. knew that it was just, a, yeah, I just knew it was a matter of time before my money, the, me bringing capital to the table, wasn't going to be as big of a value add because they were, they were willing to stomach the risk. So that's, I mean, I had a fire underneath me, at least in my own mind. Right. Um, I will say that I was. Uh, I had called a lot of oil and gas companies in mid to late 2018 to try to see, you know, try to see their opinion on it. Um, also, just just to see how they re react when I would say something like, hey, I'd just like to talk to you about um, the possibility of reducing your, your methane emissions at no upfront cost to you. And again, it was like, it's like I was a snake oil salesman. Of course. Like, What's they, the catch? heard a hundred times somebody come in. Yeah. What's the catch? Right? Like... I mean, because there's right, right. What's the catch? And 
and there's you know there's been a lot of people that have tried a lot of different ways to 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 bring this energy to market right uh one of the main ways is you know liquid an lng facility which is yeah. a massive investment and you have to have a, a really high volume of gas for it to even make economic sense uh they've tried to do like some deep salt like deep salt mines under the earth where they can mm-hmm. they can you know compress and liquefy the gas and store it there without it uh you know without you know losing much of that volume and then they can bring it back up once there is infrastructure in place to bring it to market there's all these you know really expensive ways and then of course a pipeline which isn't cheap and there's tons of regulatory oh, yeah. issues right and then, political you know, as you, well oh well right and <laughs> it's you, like yeah, i mean you spent you spent 50 million bucks you get the pipeline done and then with one swift ink of the pen they shut the pipeline down yeah exactly um, <laughs> right so it's i mean that that threat sucks but so then they have to go lobby so it's not just the cost of building the pipeline it's the cost of lobbying the people that might shut it down and there's all these other you know things to consider so this is in my opinion was just a better solution for a lot of the guys that have a fair amount of gas but not so much gas that it's worth it for them to like to not even you know keep the well shut in until they have infrastructure because if you have like just insane amounts of gas that doesn't have infrastructure that's really stranded gas right you don't want to you don't want to just try to pull the crude out and waste that because the volume like you know the anticipated volumes are are worth it to wait and build infrastructure but this is this is like the perfect solution for for everyone else right especially operators that have remote wells that are out in the middle of nowhere they're never going to get infrastructure they don't have enough gas that they're ever going to build a pipeline and bring it to market but it's enough gas to generate a, a pretty damn good amount of electricity and earn a pretty good amount of bitcoin um you know so this is just this is harmony right this is there's harmony between these two markets so i i got on the on the horn if you look if you want to talk about today look at companies like equinor um yep. big oil and gas companies are already moving to do this look at the entire country of iran uh you know they're they're uh the united states sanctions them and opec tells them how much gas or how much oil and gas they can sell to the you know how much they can trade well if i was iran i'd say okay and then i'd just take any of all my extra oil and gas and i would generate electricity turn it into computational work sell it to the bitcoin network i mean no country or opec can stop you from doing that and that's exactly what they're doing now that's exactly what they're doing that's right like uh, actually i think um I think there was an article about that either last week or something like that, last week or the week before. And uh, yeah, they're getting Yeah, heavily, and Venezuela as well. Yeah, heavily involved in the Bitcoin market. So, I mean, look, yeah. th- th- this is... So, yeah. I, I have to ask you, uh, so, okay, um, do you, like, do you have uh, do you have investors? Do you, like, how does that work? Like, can, can people, you know, like... I mean, like how, you know, it's like, how would somebody get, in, get involved in this? You know, like, I'm interested in, like, you know... I, I obviously wouldn't want to do it myself, but maybe investing in something like that, that's interesting, you know? Right. Um, you know, I'll say this. The way I did it was, uh, you know, I left my oil and gas job because mm-hmm. they weren't they weren't paying me enough to, based upon what I thought was my timeline. I thought I had about 10 months before I where I needed to actually, like, pull the trigger. I needed to, to you know, get myself in that position where I they couldn't push me out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, so I, I left that job and I went and I went and got to this other job that that paid me more and saved my money ridiculously bought tons of Bitcoin down at, you know, 3,800, 4,000 bucks. Nice. I think I even got like a, I got a limit order at like 3,180, which was, which was phenomenal. Right. Um, Sick. but yeah. And then, and then, and then Bitcoin got back up to, you know, the $5,000, uh, $6,000 area. 
And I, I went and I leveraged all my holdings, right? Yeah. So I went and uh, borrowed against all my holdings in order to gain equity in my company. And uh, I partnered with my dad. Cool. So me and my dad are 50, 50 partners in this, in this venture. So, and then I called Steve and I said, Hey, could you, uh, can I write you a big check and you build me, build me the infrastructure we want and um, I'll get a bunch of ASICs and we'll get going. And he said, absolutely. So, you know, then we, once I got that money together and, you know, selling my dad on the idea was probably a 11 month, 10 month process. Yeah. How did that go? Um, oh, right? not, like, well. I mean, it was, it was oh, my, my father, oh, I mean, my was, father's like 70. So my dad just turned 70. Okay. Yeah. So, all right. I'm yeah. just trying to figure, all right. So yeah, they're, yeah, they're, they're hardened boomer. boomers. <laughs> hardened boomer. He's a hardened boomer, but I mean, he, I'll say this, you know, he was, his, his opinion on Bitcoin was, he thought it was awesome. Right. He thought this was really cool. You know, I, and I would, I went through it and explained to him, like, listen, dad, I thought this was a joke too, but let me, let me give you the reasons why I think it's not. Um, and he's a really, he's a smart guy. So he, he wasn't like sitting there unable to understand that this was, this was something that would work and would be difficult to, to stop. Right. Um, his point of view was that it's a, you know, it's a tiny little problem, right? It's, it's maybe like a little bit of a, a mosquito bite on the government right now. And, but once it grows to be this big welt or this big cyst, the government's just going to come and pop it and just get rid of it. Right. Like once it bothers them enough, they'll just they'll shut it down. Like that was his kind of his, you know, in a nutshell thesis of the biggest threat being regulatory threat. And I, I would keep explaining to him like that. I think it, it would be impossible. They could ban it. They could outlaw it. They can make us criminals. But they, I don't think they could stop the process. Right. It's an it's an immutable it's an immutable system. Um, there's no single point of failure. And it'd be really hard to go grab all points in order to make it fail. So, um you know, he slowly came around. I mean, we, we had a lot of times where he was, there was times when he was real committed and he got excited and he was ready to, ready to move. And then like the next day he would like, be like, never mind, you know, almost. So yeah. I, there was a, trust me. I mean, we had a lot of arguments, a lot of screaming matches almost, <laughs> right? Where we were, we were, I was just telling him like that. This is, if we don't do this, we're stupid. Yeah. Right? And then, I'll t I mean, I needed to be involved in this, right? I, because I, I just felt like it was such an amazing idea it was such an exciting thing to have this this new, you know, magic internet money help transform this archaic industry of oil and gas, right? It's like this this brand new and this, you know, what, what people deem as this old and like non-technological industry, even though it, it is pretty technological. Um, you know, I wanted to marry those. I, I, I believed in it. And, you know, I also believe in upstream data. Uh, you know, I, I wanted to give Steve business because I thought that, you know, I think that he's going to do a lot of really good things for the upstream energy industry and energy yeah, production. Man. So I, it was, it was, it was a compulsion, right? I was compelled to do it. And inevitably my dad came around and, you know, we ended up making a, a big investment. Okay. I, I got to ask you, did, um, did you give your father any Bitcoin material to, to look at? Like what Bitcoin or was it all just like your explanation or did you have him watch like YouTube videos? And if you did have him watch any YouTube videos, who, you know, who was it? I, Cause I'm always curious as to like the different ways that people got into Bitcoin. Like for me, a lot of the early stuff that I saw was like the Tim Ferriss interview um, with uh, Naval, uh, with Naval and Nick Zabo you know, before I really understood what Bitcoin was, or I saw like an Andreas video, like before I really understood what Bitcoin was and that kind of got my attention. So 
What what was was there any of that going on? Um, specifically, I I remember showing him. I remember having him listen to a a part of a conversation with um with Pomp and his his partner at Morgan Creek Digital, not Jason, but uh, I don't know the other I one. Can't remember I, the, the guy's name now. I only know um, Jason. The older guy that's there, he's a, he's an investment, you know, I don't know about legend, but um, yeah. So I, I did have him listen to a, a, a little bit of a conversation with Pomp. I, I'll tell you, I think for the most part, I curated and aggregated all the information I was consuming and I brought it to him in pieces I thought that he could consume, mm-hmm. right? Um, to have him listen to just random voices, you know, s- spit off the random uh, lingo that exists in Bitcoin and th- this new vocabulary and things. Right. So like, I didn't want to, I didn't want, I almost thought it would, you know, be a disservice to, to him being interested. So I, I don't, I'll say that I know that I, I had a, him listen to a pomp episode, but other than that, it was pretty much me and PowerPoint presentations and my own thoughts, right. Uh, just coming to him saying, you know, and, and I know that there was things in between from when I talked to him about it um, to when we ended up investing that also helped him, right? I mean, and things that I didn't say, things like, you know, him going to the bank and them telling him he couldn't withdraw more than 5000 in cash, mm-hmm. right? Like that, like that like that pisses off anybody with money, right? Oh, it's yeah. Just, it's like, I can't withdraw my own money. Like, what are you talking about? Um, right? It's one of those things like Bitcoin fixes this, right? Yeah. So, right. So those kinds of things they stick out once you start learning about Bitcoin and its, and its characteristics, the, the legacy financial system and legacy, uh, you know, access to money becomes more and more distasteful. And so again, it just took time. Right. And I don't blame him again. He's a hardened boomer, man. I mean, he's thinking about, you know, he's, he's retirement age. He's not looking yeah. to take massive risk and stuff, but I, I try to tell him that, you know, if we're, if we're solving a problem, um, enable essentially, we can gain access to free power via this infrastructure. Free power is valuable and there's a way in which we can bring it to market. This is a no brainer business decision. And he, he came around on that. So that's good. That, that, that's very good. I, um, so I, I still can't entirely, uh, convince my father, um, even though for the most part I have, but, uh, it's just, you know, he, he goes down the line of, um, it's a scam and um, essentially, you know, growing up as a, you know, as a kid, when I would mention money, um, you know, like in how it's made, he would simply just, you know, look at me and say, don't ask about that. OK, the government controls that. And it's like and, and, and that is the that is the boomer <laughs> mindset, right? Like, it's just like, all right, you know, and then you have the few guys that are gold bugs. OK, so was was he a gold bug or is he a gold bug? No, not no, necessarily. Not I, mean, particularly? I, I know he owns some gold, right? Because every okay. boomer owns gold. Exactly. <laughs> not not particularly a gold bug. Um, yeah, I mean, it's true. You know, I, but but he certainly he certainly knew that it it was smart to own some because you know, hell, I mean, when when things hit the fan, it's good to have gold. It's good to have gold. It's good to have guns. It's good to have ammunition. It's good to have liquor, right? I mean, there's things that hold value no matter what the economy's doing and so yeah he was always hedged that way mm. um you know and he's been he was successful uh, in his life he was a successful businessman and um he, he made his uh career in the telecommunication space and so 
um, you know, he was, you know, launching satellites and things, right. Was, was kind of where he was at. So he certainly a, a okay. smart guy and, um, this wasn't over his head. So exactly. So this is not okay. So exactly. This isn't foreign to him. Like my, my father, uh, my, my father's a dental ceramist. So, you know, he makes, uh, he makes teeth like right. uh, a little, li- little bit like it's tech, but this tech, like for him, it's metal. Everything is metal. So it was always gold and silver and platinum and palladium. And like, that's all I ever grew up seeing, you know? And like my, right. my father was always like, listen, you know, the money, the government controls that this is garbage. This is, you know, there's always this. And to get him to understand something that has none of these properties um, has just been, uh, you know, a, a challenge. Other, yeah, other than scarcity, right? I can't, I can't even give it to him. I even said to him, I said, listen, all you have to do is install a wallet and I will send you Bitcoin. Like, I'm willing to give it. Can't even give it. <laughs> <laughs> like, anyways, right. that, that maybe says more well, about my sales skills. I mean, before, <laughs> yeah, before, before I, uh, before I, we invested, I'll say my dad did buy Bitcoin, right? So my dad ended up buying like, I don't know, like some splat dollar amount when it was at about 7,100 bucks or something. And of course it fell from there, but he didn't sell. He just held on it and I, he still, he still has it. And, uh, you know, he, now he looks at the price and he's, you know, he's this, he's a Bitcoin bull, right? So, uh, there's, there's, you know, there, it was a process, right? Like I said, it was, mm-hmm. there was a lot of conversations, a lot of emails with people, a lot of sharing information. Uh, but at the end of the day, the, the thesis holds true, right? As much as Bitcoin is this awesome corporate treasury reserve asset, it's, it's unable to be debased, right? So it's a risk averse asset, in my opinion. Even more so in my mind, it's this energy demand market, right? And and that is the, the problems in energy most people don't understand because most people don't understand certainly oil and gas, um, but they, they don't understand how those guys take risk. They don't understand what kind of risk is involved in producing energy and how, one, how massive it is, but two, how difficult it is to, to bring all that energy to market in a way that's profitable and to project 20 and 30 years out. Bitcoin changes that equation for the better and makes that risk more tolerable. I like that. I, I like the way that, uh, that, that you worded that. That's a, it's an interesting yeah. perspective. I, you know what? I don't get to speak to a lot of people that do that, that do mining. I mean, yeah. So, you know, like I co-host with Bitvolt and I know he's into mining, but I always find that you guys have like this very, um, like, um, how could I say this? Because you understand the work that goes behind Bitcoin it brings this extra layer of confidence in what it is that you're doing. And, you know, when people come at this with just NGU, you know, and, you know, it's just like, it's just a, a random investment. Like I've had people like friends, you know, that just tell me it's, it's gambling and it's, you know, you're just taking a chance. And like they, it, you know, they have these, this really shallow level of conviction. Whereas talking to miners, it's like, because I understand the work that goes into this, you're not going to tell me different. You know? Exactly. Like, like you're just no, not going I mean, to. <laughs> yeah, you can't. You cannot extinguish the the bullish flame inside of me. I mean, you just you just can't because, I mean, first of all, let me say, Bitcoin mining is really hard, right? It's really hard to mine Bitcoin for a profit, and it's just it takes a lot of work, right? It's computational work, but it takes a lot of energy, a lot of work, and you know, there's no guarantees, right? These, you know, ASICs aren't perfect. Power generation isn't perfect. Even if you're on grid, 
in some warehouse where, you know, you, you're hosting and you've got a, a nice electricity rate or whatever, you know, there are a lot of things that aren't guaranteed. If the price skyrockets, who's to say that that, that guy that's hosting for you isn't just going to pull your computers out unless you pay more money. Cause he knows that he can go to the market and get people to pay more than what you're paying because the price is higher now. Right. So either he's going to raise the rates on you or he's going to kick you out. And then you got to, you know, go to court and say, Hey, we had a contract. And I mean, now it's your problem. Right. Yeah. Um, with mining off of gas, that threat is removed because I'm solving a problem. Right. These oil and gas operators don't want me to go away. I'm helping them. Um, and trust me, the last thing they want is for their wells to go down because that's money to them. So it's in their best interest to keep me operational and it's in their best interest to, you know, make sure that they, they have no reason to try to, you know, kick me off for somebody else. Right. I'm never going to pay for the gas because there's so much gas out there. It would be foolish to do so. Right. I mean, there's not even enough computers on earth, enough ASICs on earth right now. I don't think to, to consume all of that natural gas. I certainly don't believe there's enough uh, generators to, to consume all that natural gas. So, you know, there is an utter surplus of energy on this earth and, we, we don't have a, an energy supply problem. We have an energy utilization problem. And, you know, this, this allows a lot of energy to be displaced. It's interesting that you say that there's a surplus of energy because, as you know, the media always uh, tilts it to the other way that there's, you know, that, that we're always just struggling for energy and we're, you know, we, we have to struggle for it and store it. And it's like you got to it's like, no, it's exactly what you just said, you know. Yeah, it's we have a utilization problem. Right? We have a utilization is. and distribution problem, right? It's a matter of t taking primary energy sources, converting them to what is called an energy currency, an intermediary energy currency, mm -hmm. also known as electricity, right? Which is to be the most flexible form of of energy because it's easily transported with with minimal loss, right? Those electrons, mm -hmm. yep, those electrons ne are never used up, right? It's not like energy goes anywhere; it's just transferred, mm -hmm. and so. You know, these it's it's this is there's so much energy. I mean, even if you look at solar, you look at everything. I mean, the amount of energy on this earth is is absolutely a joke compared to what demand is. It's just so that, um, you know, you have things like OPEC and other and other bodies that help regulate these markets to make it profitable to invest in, in uh, you know, energy yeah. exploration. And so at the end of the day, man, yeah, the media is wrong. There's way too much energy on this earth. We just need to get better about how we use it and how we we need to get more innovative but again it's hard it's hard to convince somebody to go invest into into innovation because they need to they need to make a return right i mean they they need to make money and it's so incentives you know, right it's so yeah and, and bitcoin mining is is a great example of how this changes those incentives right it's it's much more i'm much more incentivized to to figure out how to build a you know, a micro turbine natural gas engine that can produce 25 megawatts of power, mm. you know, that's a $30 million build. But now I can take that engine and I can help power this town. But I don't have to worry about that town consuming enough electricity for me to get my money back because any power that that town doesn't use, I can just sell the excess energy to, to the Bitcoin network. And so I know I can guarantee myself 100% demand 100% of the time, and I'm no longer subject to those cyclical demand cycles of electricity that that humans, you know, operate in, because I have these, I have another market to bring that energy to if this market, uh, you know, lowers the demand. So then now I'm looking at my ROI shift from, 
you know, 50 years to 26 years or whatever. And it, it all makes more sense. And so then I, when I go to the bank, they're much more uh, inclined to give me the loan in order to go build this thing because I can prove to them that my ROI is, is much more agreeable than that guy who's not going to be mining Bitcoin with his engine. Right. So at the end of the day, I knew this was going to, these people were going to get there because mm-hmm. they're financially incentivized to. So I, I was in a dire rush to, to get involved. I, I think it's really amazing. I, I totally, uh, I got to tell you, man, I, I really love your story. I, I think it's, uh, I think it's super cool. So look, um, before we, uh, before we wrap this up, do you have any uh, final thoughts for the, uh, for the listeners? Um, you know, I'd say, I'd say, yeah, pay attention to this space. That would be my, my biggest, you know, go learn about, try to go learn about how energy is produced, try to learn about uh, power generation, try to learn about what companies are actually build the, the engines and the motors to, you know, to generate electricity, because you'll understand one, how serious these people are and two, that they're starting to look at Bitcoin. And these people wouldn't even begin to look at it unless they've already had meetings. They've already rabbit holed themselves in their own ways. And I mean, what's to come? I mean, the connections I have in the oil and gas industry, what is to come is going to be earth rattling, right? Yeah. Uh, the even Equinor is a huge announcement, but there's there's certainly more to come. I know some on the horizon. I can't disclose that. Uh, way it, it's it's more exciting to me than MicroStrategy buying four hundred fifty million dollars worth, only because you know these companies. I know the amount of money they're going to end up investing in this space when they see its success is yep. going to dwarf four hundred fifty million dollars, right? So, I'd say I'd really encourage people to try to understand mining. I know it's difficult, but push through and. Again, like you said, that layer of conviction, it, it solidifies Bitcoin's future. Yeah. In my mind, I don't I don't see it failing for this reason. Right? Bullish as fuck. Oh, man. I got to go stack stats when Bullish we're done. As fuck. Bullish as fuck. I love it. <laughs> All right. Denver Bitcoin, <laughs> yes. man. Thank you so much for joining me. This was awesome. Hey, thanks, Quinn Chris. This, this was a good time, man. I appreciate it. Very cool. I hope everybody enjoyed my chat with Denver Bitcoin. His contact details will be in the show notes. And of course, if you want to reach me, Twitter or Telegram, I'm at Coin Icarus. If you want to shoot me an email, I am Coin Icarus at funwithbitcoin.com. Have a great week, everyone. Catch you all next time.